Are you a high performer struggling with stress, overwhelm, or lack of time? Do you find it extremely difficult to balance your physical and mental health with your busy life? If so, make sure you check out the free training that I put together on how to effortlessly transform your physical and mental health while simultaneously exploding your daily performance. This training is going to reveal the single most important factor to your success in any area and why you've been set up to fail, how to hack your way to a peak state and create massive momentum in your health and your life, and the four keys to unlocking the body's natural ability to thrive and elevate every area of your health and success. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you head over to reachpeakperformance.com. That's reachpeakperformance.com, or you can find the link to the training in the show notes. So with that being said, let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Early Risers podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Deem, and I am an early riser. Now, if you are a first-time listener to the show, welcome. This podcast is all about helping you live a more effective life, and it's called the Early Risers podcast because that's what I believe an early riser to be, someone who's focused on living life more effectively. Because you don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. to be an early riser. You just need to wake up a little earlier than you normally do or you, than you normally have to and use that time for uninterrupted personal development. So if you have to wake up at 8 p.m. to get to the night shift on time and you wake up at 7.30 p.m. and perform some sort of a morning routine that pushes you to get better, you are an early riser. But on the same end, if you wake up at 4.30 in the morning and for the first four hours of your day, you're rolling around in your bed, you're on your cell phone, on social media, and you're not really doing anything that benefits you, I wouldn't consider that an early riser. So I want to welcome you to the show, whether you are a first-time listener or a repeat listener. I'm super, super excited to have you here today, and I'm super excited for today's show. Before we dive into it, I do want to say if you have been listening to the show for a while or even if you're a first-time listener and you hear this episode and you get something of value out of it, maybe you just enjoy it, maybe it helps pass the time, or maybe you learn something new that helps you, it would mean the world to me if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Leaving us a rating and a review lets us know what you think about the show. It also helps the show get ranked higher, which helps me bring on more high-end and more awesome guests. So I know a ton of you out there listen to this. I see the numbers and I see how many ratings and reviews there are and the numbers don't stack up. So if you have been listening, if you have been sitting on the sidelines, now's your time to jump in the game. Leave like a brief review. Just let me know what you think and that would be amazing. So with that being said, I can't wait to get into the show today, and yeah, let's do it. So today's special guest is Johnny Elsasser. Johnny is a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger with four combat tours between Iraq and Afghanistan. After the military, Johnny worked for a private company protecting the U.S. ambassador to Iraq in Baghdad for five years. And through his podcast, Johnny's mission is to help men realize they are not alone and through self-awareness and self-development, they can build a life that is truly rewarding in amazing relationships and abundance in success. And that's a really, really awesome thing that Johnny's working on and something I'm excited to dive into today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Johnny Elsasser. Johnny, how are you today? Doing well, brother. How are you? 
Good, man. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on. Uh, do you mind just starting us off sharing a little bit about your story, kind of how you got to where you are and, you know, a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, brother. Um, so currently I'm not in that, that, those fields anymore, but first off, I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. This is an awesome podcast that you have going on. So I'm grateful to be able to come and touch your community um, and hopefully give them some insights that'll help them. Um, with me, it was basically, I started off, I got into the military at 17 years old. My parents actually had to emancipate me so I could go into the military, wow. which is really funny. So I got in at 17 years old. I was in basic training real, um, really young. And, uh, I remember being there for 4th of July, but went through, went through basic training and basically, uh, became, I was, I was what they call like a PT stud. That's the physical test stud. So I was really fast. I could do all the push-ups. I maxed everything out. And I had a drill sergeant come to me and he goes, he's like, Hey, Elisassa, come here. And I was like, yeah, what's going on? Drill sergeant. He's like, what contract you want? Special forces, Rangers, what? And I was like, give me Rangers, man. That's what I want to do. So signed up for Rangers. And after basic training off, I went to, uh, to airborne school. And then I went to what was called Ranger Doctoration program, which is where they just basically kick your ass for an extended period of time. And then they try to get you to fail because they want to weed everybody out. That's not strong enough to be in Ranger Battalion and special operations. So get off to special operations. And within my first, what was it month of being there? Just, it was a bunch of downloaded training. I didn't have any time off. I was training on the weekends, everything. And, uh, we got sent over to Iraq for my first combat tour, um, March of that year. So I was 18 years old. Here I am getting thrown in Iraq in a special operations unit. So that was really interesting. And, you know, fast forwarding through that, I did, uh, three more other tours outside of that, two in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. I became a sergeant and a squad leader by the age of 21 and then, uh, got out from there and went to a private company. And then I was a tactical commander for the ambassador's detail in Baghdad, Iraq for five years, which was really interesting actually to see that, but not in my opinion, just not nearly as uh, dynamic or, you know, direct combat oriented as it was for when I was in special operations. So that was, uh, that was really kind of the gist of my life coming into it. And it was just, uh, basically a transition, but a lot of it started with just, you know, being mentally strong and being able to last through a lot of the pain and suffering that people make you go through to get into special operations. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine, man. And I, I think like there's so much there that I would love to talk about, but is there like a biggest thing that you took out of that experience and something that kind of affected you and turned you into who you are today? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I that I took from it was very early on in training. And, uh, you know, the the instructors are there to literally make you quit and simultaneously build you up if you're not going to quit. <laughs> so, so what that came to me as a realization and, and people who are trying to build businesses or people in general is, I know this might sound simplistic, but perseverance is a huge thing. And in life, no matter where you are, people are going to try to drag you down. People are going to want you to quit because what does misery love? Company. company. So they're going to try to bring you down. And so ultimately, if you learn very early on that perseverance and comfort in your own mental strength and your own physical strength, nothing in life will get you down. And it's something that I've carried with me even to this day. When I enter a new chapter in my life, when I, um, you know, go on a new journey of self-development, when I try to step into a new level of intellectual uh, advancement on myself, I always put that mindset in that I can make it through whatever I put myself through because I know I'm strong enough to do that. And that was really taught to me 
early, early on, 17 years old, 18 years old through the military and through the combat tours and through everything else, that was probably the biggest thing I took with me. And it's really translated well into kind of civilian life as well. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people can take that. And if you haven't tested yourself and you don't really know what that is, you know, those are things that you need to step out of your comfort zone and test yourself. You need to find something you're scared of, find something you're terrified of and go do it. Whether you fail or succeed, it doesn't matter. You are going to learn a lot more about yourself than if you were to just sit back in your comfort zone. Mm, I love that. And I think it's interesting just because, you know, knowing you and your podcast and looking into what you're doing, I feel like without knowing you, most people would say this, this is like a, a super manly man, like super intimidating, probably rough around the edges. But then your podcast has the tagline, what was it? It's something, it's power, grit, and cuddles. Yep. So that's, that's a very interesting take. And I think hearing that just turns what people may think about you upside down immediately. Mm-hmm. So I guess like, first of all, do you mind just talking about the meaning behind that name and kind of what it means to you? Yeah. So, uh, it was intentional obviously because yeah, a lot of people are going to look at my background and they're going to be like, okay, he's this uber masculine guy. He's done all this stuff. He, he's going to talk about, Oh, if someone smarts off, smack him in the face, you need to go hunt. You need to go fight. You need to be able to work on, you know, the traditional masculine things. They're going to think like, this is a guy that's gritty. He's rough. He's tough, whatever. But then you put in power, grit, and cuddles, and people are like, wait a second, what, what just happened? <laughs> you know. And I'm a huge advocate of that. I think men uh, on a traditional basis don't really embrace that sensitive or that emotional or that vulnerable side. And I'm a huge advocate that true men, true alphas or true masculine men, because I've seen them in my life, they embrace those things. And they do it with a lot of grace and fluidity. And the men that don't embrace those things, a lot of times are covering up insecurities and they're protecting themselves. And so they're protecting their egos. So the intention for that was basically to throw people off guard, to make them be like, oh, this guy's background's not matching with the title. I want to take a look at this because at the end of the day, I'm trying to capture, I, I really want to capture all men, right? But I also, my main focus was really my alpha brethren to be like, Oh, what the hell? Johnny's putting this out here. Oh, wow. Let me listen to this. Let me see what's going on here. Let me hear what he's saying. Let me hear what other, his other, other special operations buddies are saying. Let me hear what these self-development people that are coming on are saying. So it was really intentional to get not only, um, all the men to really see it and be like, Oh, this is weird, but okay, let me check this out. But really to get the alpha, the alpha group in there. Cause I think a lot of times they're the ones that are the hardest ones to, um, penetrate their mindset to get them to want to listen to something like this. Definitely. And I think that's so powerful and it really is kind of something that is culturally big right now. Like be a man, like be tough, be rough around the edges. So what kind of taught you this different mindset? Like, was it something you kind of just understood from when you were a kid or was there something that really helped you understand that? Yeah. So I, so I, let me, I'll preface this as, you know, my father's alive and he and I have a a good relationship, but we're not overly close and stuff like that. But my godfather, who's my uncle, he and I were super close and I really built my personality around what I, how I viewed him. And he taught me this way of being that tough, gritty guy that can be a blue collar working 20 hours a day type kind of guy but that also takes care of other people that can't take care of themselves, that respects women and respects children and teaches with love. And he was like, to me, and this is a guy, he, 
he lives paycheck to paycheck. He's lived that way his whole life. And I love him to death. He's not somebody that's out there making a ton of money, but his values as a human being, I looked up to so much that I was like, that's what I want to emulate. That's what I want to be. So when I became that person where I was like, wow, I'm becoming this person my uncle taught me about. He was reads a lot. He does all these things. Um, when I became that person, I was like, well, now I need to share this with other men because right now I don't think, uh, and let me, let me take one step back is I kind of lost that a little bit and got wrapped up in the masculine, the alpha male. I used to make, you know, make fun of guys that were, you know, that you would say like the man bun and all that stuff and wearing the, wearing the capri pants and stuff. Like I would make fun of that. I'd be like, Oh, there goes the hippie guy. Right. But then I learned, it's like, well, why am I looking down on them in a masculine form? when they're very masculine in their own right and they have their own version of masculinity. Who's to say that mine's right. Um, and, and so when I looked at that, I was like, well, who am I being and how am I helping other people really just embrace who they are and be comfortable in that? Because there's no one set of rules for men, regardless of what people want to tell you, regardless of what society or the media wants to say, there is no one set of rules for men. Mm. So when I took that, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to start sharing this. And that's what I did. So I wanted to bring that to light. And so I started to look at things differently when I started reading self-development books, when I started, you know, when I was young, I loved romantic comedies. I actually did a whole podcast on this. I love them. And to be honest, if <laughs> I'll tell any men that are listening to your podcast right now, they, those romantic comedies are the answers to the test. If you want to know how to get women, if you want to know how to please your significant other, go watch those. They are literally written by a groups of people who have the answers to the test and they're giving them to you. <laughs> so, so I was a huge advocate of that. And that taught me a lot too on my softer sensitive side. And that helped me to build that side and be comfortable with it as a man. And I, and I am, I am, I'm with that way with my wife and I don't, I don't mind being that way. And to me, it's, it's a, to me, it's empowering to have that flexibility, to have that fluidity, to be loving, but also be tough when needed to be, to be caring, but also stern, you know? So, mm. you know, it's, it's great for men to do that, but you have to figure that out on your own. You have to be able to look into something and say, okay, how am I going to learn from this? And what are the tools I'm going to gain from it? And then how can I apply that to my life? And how can I shut down my ego? That's mm. a big one. That's awesome advice. So for someone who's kind of feeling that disconnect right now, like they, they feel like they have to be a certain way, or maybe they can't find that fluidity between masculinity and also like the, or the tough hard part and then the caring nature. Like, do you have any first recommendations of kind of how to self-evaluate or become more in tune with that, that understanding? Yes. So my biggest tool that I could say that I could give somebody really kind of in flux in that position is to say, think about what makes you happy first. What is it that makes you confident and happy? Like when you go into a situation, do you feel confident when you're in a situation, say with a bunch of other scientists, because you have a background in astrophysics and you love that? Um, if that's what makes you happy and that's where you feel confident, that's where your masculinity is centered. It doesn't mean you have to go beat up the, the weights at the gym. And because society tells you that that's what a man is, is to be big and tough, right? If that is making you very uncomfortable, then you need to focus on what makes you confident. And that at the soul, at the, the foundational part of it is where you need to start is what establishes your confidence. And all of us are different, you know, from you, Skylar, it's, we, we would look at, okay, who is it that you looked up to when you were young? Our most impactful years, zero to seven years old, those influential years, 
from the people that are involved in them shape your personality to who you are now. So who is it that you looked up to as a man in those days? Because majority of the time you're emulating that person now as an adult. So when you look at those values, that's going to tell you where your comfort zone is with your masculinity. It's going to tell you where your confidence is as a man. And you need to go from there. You can start to build out, but you have to know that foundational piece before you can build out. Hmm. So would there be a situation that you could see where that foundational piece would be wrong? Like something where someone is kind of lost and because of age zero to seven or because of whatever the beliefs they are, they're kind of in a spot where that piece is wrong and it's, it's kind of tough to make that transition. Absolutely. You're going to get challenged on that because it's not, and, and with the fluidity of society and how the generational, um, how us generational groups move, and we take, we, we change the dynamics on a regular basis, you know, from the, look at the seventies, for instance, and you look at the males in the seventies and you look at society in the seventies compared to, you know, the nineties, there's a huge difference between those two generations in masculinity and femininity and societal norms. Um, so you're going to have some issues because not every role model is perfect. <laughs> so like there's flaws everywhere. So you're going to, you're going to inherently gather some flawed, uh, some flawed traits and some flawed respects. So what you have to do is being self-aware, you have to figure out, is this serving me to be a better person and to be a better communicator to in social situations, say with my family, my significant other, and, uh, you know, every, my, you know, children, whatever it is, is it serving me as an individual? Is it serving me as a contributor to my community? If mm -hmm. it's not, you have to evaluate that and figure out, okay, how do I challenge this? And when you do that, you can put some fail safes in, in your personality, but your first and foremost is you have to acknowledge whether or not that trait is serving you. If you feel like you like it and you like the person it makes you, then that's your decision, but you acknowledged it. You understood it and you acknowledged it. And that's so important. Mm. I love to hear your opinion on this term, toxic masculinity. I know it's something <laughs> that's kind of been thrown around a lot recently. Like, do you have anything you have to say about that? Any... Are you, you're baiting me on this one. I, I am a little bit. <laughs> I cannot stand the term toxic masculinity. So um, I've been talking about this since the beginning of my podcast. And uh, in my opinion, toxic masculinity is a terrible term. It shouldn't be used in anybody's vocabulary, nor should toxic femininity. I don't think either are toxic. And the reason being is, uh, again, I, was, I had Josh Trent on my podcast, and I'm going to steal this from him. Um, awesome, awesome podcaster. But he was talking about he loves to go to the foundation of things, and so do I. I love to start at the foundation. And he says, okay, if you look at the foundation of toxicity, what is it? It says unfit for consumption. So you're telling me when you put toxic in front of masculinity, you're saying that masculinity is unfit for societal consumption. That's not a great way to put something that we are inherently and genetically predisposed to have within us. That is not a good thing to put on women. You know, I think that there's traits within society, regardless of gender roles or energy, whatever you want to call it, there are traits within society that you can make negative. I can make anything negative. And it all stems down to your intent behind it and how you use it. For instance, if we go into a lot of people want to say that aggression 
is toxic masculinity, right? That's a, a pretty common term that people want to use, but it's not. Aggression is such a powerful emotion that men and women have, but it's how it is used that makes it either bad or good. Are you harming or helping, right? But it's never, never a toxic trait. It's just behind the intent and the approach with it. So I think when people use toxic masculinity, in my personal opinion, they're very uneducated on the subject and they've been swayed by minds that haven't done a lot of research on gender roles or on traits. Because when you start to look at the people who have actually studied this, and it's very new, by the way, people don't realize gender roles um, in general haven't been studied over, uh, over uh, hundreds of years. Uh, masculinity has really only been studied since about the early 80s maybe late 70s, right? So when you look at this, it's still pretty new for us as, as a society. But, you know, when you're talking about this, you're, uh, most of these people that have actually started the studies, they don't call it toxic masculinity. They don't call it toxic femininity, you know? So ultimately, when you start to use those terms, in my opinion, it becomes a version of an uneducated term and an ignorant term because of the fact that you're just pulling, a lot of people are just pulling this from the media and the media loves to use this divisive language. You look at it through elections, you look at it through um, inherently just anything with politics. It's very divisive and it's on purpose. They love to keep the division. And so if you stop and just shut that out and say, okay, why are they saying this? And then what's the actual foundation behind this? You're going to realize those aren't terms that are used in anybody's, you know, in anybody's vocabulary that's educated on the subject. Mm. Yeah, I could not agree more. That is, that's awesome. And so, so true. When it comes to masculinity, so you said it has like this fluid thing that can kind of be swayed into different, uh, different modes, but are there any basic core values that you see or that you define as masculinity? Yeah. So it, even, it, even in the studies that people have done, there's inherently like dominating masculine traits and there's inherently feminine traits, right? So with dominating masculine traits, there's a few of them. You look at uh, power, which is why every man tends to want to be the CEO of a company, right? This is just, we're generalizing here. We're not going to get fine-tuned, but just generalizing, you know, you have power, you have control. They always want to be the boss or they want to control the situation, which inherently is why men tend to want to fix everything because it allows us a sense of control, you know, um, with the power, again, you look at finances, men are supposed to be the breadwinners. We're taught that we need to be that we were the protectors. That's the general, uh, masculine, uh, masculinity, you know, trait is protectors. So you have some of these things that are really inherent in masculinity, which is great. And it's, it, it's perfectly fine. There are traits that are going to separate the two genders, right? But ultimately. Uh, when you take those traits, how you're using them is what's going to change either the dynamic in the sense of a negative dynamic or a positive dynamic. You know, are you using power to oppress people or are you using power to bring people up? Mm -hmm. So again, these inherently masculine traits that tr they traverse generations, you know, those are some of the main ones that traverse generations. And then there's other ones that kind of fall off here and there and they pop up and then they go down. Um, you know, grit is usually tied into a masculine trait, you know, being tough, being able to not expose emotions because emotions become feminine. Um, 
those are things that men do inherently and we do it on a regular basis and they traverse generations. So absolutely. I, those are the ones that kind of follow and that come to mind to me right now. Uh, and then when you look at, and not to go too much into the rabbit hole, you have what's called hegemonic masculinity and hegemonic masculinity was started by Ray Connell. Uh, and she's actually a transgender woman from Australia and brilliant, brilliant mind, but she started the hegemonic masculinity um, conversation in her gender role studies. And she was the first one to do it. And hegemonic masculinity is where we tend to use some of these prominent masculine features, such as power and dominance and control. We use those masculine features in a societal aspect where we're the feminine is accepting that and we're oppressing the feminine traits. So that's really the, the precursor to hegemonic masculinity. Mm. So, yeah, That's interesting. And I really like that idea of you can have one trait that could be good or bad depending how you use it. And I think just that simple idea can cause a lot of different issues and a lot of different conflict if it's not fully understood. Because like you said, like just being able to use this idea of toxic, toxic masculinity of power dominance, like that can be a bad thing. But I, I like that. I, I like that idea and thought of just being able to use those traits for good and for a good thing. Absolutely. And there's numerous cases. You look at, for instance, aggression and uh, aggression and power and control within our military standpoint. So this comes back to my, my roots is being in special operations. You know, we had, uh, we had three things that you needed to basically win any situation, which was speed, surprise, and violence of action. Okay. If you had two of those three, you were going to pretty much be the, on the winning side of the uh, outcome of the situation. Well, aggression helps you with that. Aggression in sports is a very pinpointed aggression where it might, it's not there to, there's a balance there. You're not there to injure somebody, but you're there to compete. And that helps you to the greatest athletes. You look at MMA, you look at any form of uh, sports. That is a very focused aggression to not injure somebody in a negative way, but it is a way to sit there and actually have a competitive edge. And so with war, it's the same thing. If you want to survive, if you want to live, you have to have that pinpointed aggression. Um, you're not necessarily in war, it's your preservation of life. So there is a, a factor there where you are going after somebody's life, but you're not sitting there trying to, you know, uh, hurt people in a docile environment. You're not taking mm -hmm. that aggression back from the military and then using it out in regular society where you're at the grocery store slapping somebody in the face because they grabbed the last can of SpaghettiOs in front of you. you know? <laughs> so, I mean, there's a, there is a focus for masculine traits in there. And as long as you're using those to, in, a, in a positive way, like I said, in sports, in a positive way, or in life in a positive way where I have the power as a CEO to start helping people and mentoring them, using that power to mentor them or to expose them to different situations that can build their skill set. Those are positive ways of using it. And as long as we do that, that's where society enhances. And you can't, like, I, I, I and it's a very small percentage of people, but there is a small percentage of people that sit there and continually bash masculinity and the ones that continually say it's toxic and put it down and make it a negative trait. Those people, you have to realize you can't take masculinity out of society. There's a balance here, just like with femininity, there is a balance here and it's a beautiful, beautiful balance. But as soon as you start bastardizing one of the genders, or you start bastardizing the traits and turning them into a negative talk You've just already isolated an entire group of people within society and told them that they're wrong 
for the genetic predisposition they have, you know? Mm. So it's, it's very, it's a very interesting conversation when you start to get down those roads. Yeah. And I, I like that you mentioned that. And it's funny because I've been making a couple posts about this and it's something I'm thinking more about and researching more about, but this idea of when you have these emotions and you're told that they're bad and you try to push them away. Mm-hmm. And when you do that over and over and over, how that's super unhealthy for you, because you can either you know feel wrong when you're experiencing emotions, which are completely natural, or you can push them down. And then at one time they all bubble up and they all pop and you, you oh, explode. Absolutely. And, and they will. It's, it's shown time and time again, they will. They show up in suicides. They show up in uh, anxiety, mental breakdowns. They show up in therapist rooms. So you look at, for instance, uh, Bedros Koulian. And um, you know, I don't know if you know who he is, but great entrepreneur. He's in the self-development world himself. And he had a severe anxiety attack back when he was uh, at this precipice in his business where he was putting on all this pressure on himself. And he had this severe anxiety attack. And that is due to shoving down emotions. That was due to shoving down those conversations he should have had. And to him, it felt like it was almost a heart attack, right? And this will show up in your life, regardless of how healthy you think you are uh, physically, regardless of how strong you think you are mentally, if you are not acknowledging this stuff, it's going to show up in your life. If you're Mm. suppressing it, like they say, you know, a lot of people say boys don't cry, you know, Oh, you don't cry. You're a boy. Well, again, that zero to seven age, that's where we hear it. Well, what does that happen? It becomes an auto suggestion within our mind. It becomes a subliminal subconscious um, talk that we have with ourselves that all of a sudden when we're 10 years old, 13 years old, 25 years old, we won't cry. We won't, we won't even acknowledge a sad emotion because we were told from zero to seven, boys don't cry. Boys don't get sad. Boys are tough. Boys fight, you know, whatever it is. So that's how, you know, anger is the only way for a boy to show emotion. Those are the things that we're taught early on and they severely impact our life. And then you hit the nail on the head. It will bubble up and years, years of oppressing your emotions will eventually show whether it's a toxic relationship, whether it's hurting yourself, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, resorting to alcohol and drugs, whatever it is, but it will come up. Mm. And if you, if you want to approach those emotions from a healthier way, is there a certain technique or certain exercise you'd recommend to confront those emotions and work through them? Yeah, you're, you know, that's a great question. And the first thing I'm always going to say, and again, this is, because of my, my training is you start at your foundation. Well, the foundation with emotions is acknowledging the situation and acknowledging how you feel about it. That is the first and foremost. I do this on a constant basis and I still struggle with it. So trust me, this isn't me saying I'm better than anybody. I struggle with this on a daily basis, but ultimately what happens is that when you acknowledge the situation, when you acknowledge why, what it's making you feel and why it's making you feel that way, you now have just taken a huge step in self-awareness to acknowledge the emotion internally. When you can do that, the next step is to voice that emotion to the person that's making you feel that way. If it's a situation where you're involved with a one-on-one conversation, if it's not, and it's say just a situation in general um, where you're not specifically speaking to somebody, you can then talk to someone you trust. Hey man, I went through this situation today where a guy cut me off and I got really angry and I honked my horn and I flipped him off. But I realized, well, why am I making, why am I getting angry at that? Well, I made up a story that he thought that he was better than me. So that's why he cut me off. 
if you tell that to somebody, someone's gonna be like, oh, let me help you with that. Or let's talk about that a little more. And once you get that out, you're like, I feel so much better. Mm. Oh my God. I just made a story up that wasn't even true. You know, and then, then you have the ability to take a third step, which is starting to change the narrative. Well, the person didn't cut me off because they were mean. The person cut me off because maybe they had to rush to get to the hospital because their wife was pregnant. Or maybe their son broke their leg and he was getting carted home from school to the emergency room and he had to be there. Or maybe you, whatever it is, but change the narrative to the story that's making it negative. And that's, again, something I struggle with on a regular basis. But the first step is catching it internally acknowledging it and addressing the emotion internally. That's where you can start. I love that. Yeah. And it's important. It's very important to do that. Cause again, starting internally, that's the only way that you're ever going to be able to address anything externally. Mm. Oh, that's so awesome. So do you want to take a moment to talk about the nonprofit that you're working with? It's, it's yes. doing some cool stuff. So. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And I know I, I pitched this out there. I just, I'm, this is a, a soft spot in my heart because obviously I'm a vet, but a good buddy of mine from Ranger Battalion has a beautiful story of why he started this nonprofit. It's called Ranger Road. Uh, it, for anybody that follows me, um, it's in my bio and IG or on Facebook. I'm tagged in with Ranger Road, but it's such a beautiful nonprofit. These guys are out there. Uh, he's a hundred percent of the dollars that go into the nonprofit go back to the vets. Nobody that works on Ranger Roads, like kind of supports Ranger Roads staff. Nobody there is paid. They're all volunteers, myself included, and my buddy who's the CEO. He's 100% volunteered. Um, so what they're doing is just basically getting all, we're starting all these programs up that have been so supportive of wounded vets and vets that are transitioning out of the military. And one of them is they started a scuba school and this guy's like a uh, double amputee who's the scuba instructor and they take wounded vets in, they get them certified or they'll take them on cool, you know, training and stuff like that. They have a, or we have a, um, he's got one where they jump out of airplanes and they do skydiving with wounded vets. We have another one called gut check where the, we're running obstacle races with wounded vets and we're starting other programs. They just have a racing one that's, you know, uh, supported by Jay Leno, which is really cool. So there's just a lot going on. And if you can't contribute any money, which that's not what it's about. If you can contribute time, volunteers are always needed. So if you want to support in any way, whatever it is, whether you want to give a couple dollars or if you want to jump in and actually say, I want to give my time, either one is amazing. So just go check out the website and I appreciate anybody that's willing to support that because a lot of these guys, they have trouble with uh, transitioning out of the military. They don't mentally know how to get out of that life and it causes a lot of toxicity in their life. Um, then the wounded vets, man, you can imagine if you, you've lost a limb in war, uh, you know, coming out of that and getting support because mentally you're not feeling like who you used to be. Now you have a whole different struggle on your hands trying to figure out who this new person is. And if you don't have that support system, it causes a lot of bad issues such as drugs. A lot of them turn to drugs, which is really, you know, it's, it's sad. Um, and a lot of them get significantly depressed and then you end up with a lot of suicides. So any way that you guys can support would be great. And obviously uh, much appreciated from the Ranger Road nonprofit and the vets that you'll be supporting. And what's the website if people wanted to look more into it's that? Rangerroad.org. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. So I appreciate you for volunteering your time and appreciate shout out to everyone who does it. That's a, that's really an amazing cause and yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely. So for the people who were interested in connecting with you, where could they do so? 
Oh, uh, you can go and find me on johnny.elsasser, E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R on IG. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Johnny Elsasser. You can find me at the Art of Masculinity uh, fan page. And then for anybody that wants to get involved in kind of like a masculine group where it's just, you know, us kind of like talking about hashing things out if you have issues. Um, I have the masculinity corner on Facebook. You can request to be in there. I'll get you in. And then you can start a conversation if you're going through anything. And then obviously my big thing is if you guys get a chance to shameless plug to go check out the Art of Masculinity podcast, that would be great. Um, and leaving any, any honest reviews on there would be helpful. Definitely. And guys and girls listening, I'll put all the links for that in the show notes. So definitely check out Johnny and what he's doing. So Johnny, I have a segment on the show called My Current Obsession. And I want to know, is there something right now that you are kind of weirdly obsessed with? Could be a color, a song, person, place, anything. Oh man, I am obsessed with space. I love space. So the, the new picture of the black, the black hole, hole to me like <laughs> blew my mind. I was like, this is nuts, man. And, and I, I'm just like how special that is in our time is so crazy. So some people probably wouldn't look at me like this guy's a nerd. No, man, I'm a huge nerd when it comes <laughs> to space. I am obsessed with it. I got Neil deGrasse Tyson books. Um, I actually have the book for uh, Interstellar. Do you ever see that movie? Amazing movie. Oh, so good. I have the full book for that. Like I, I love space. So weirdly obsessed with space. Uh, I'm not smart enough to understand the physics, but at least I love, enjoy reading it. So that's really cool. Awesome. And then do you have a final message for the people listening? Yeah, just, uh, in all honesty, find out what makes you confident and be comfortable in that. Stop trying to appear everybody else. I know people say this all the time in self-development, you know, be you, but truly find your confidence. And if you find that confidence, you will find your comfort zone in any situation. And if you can do that, that's going to be very special for you. And that'll help you to figure out how you want to live the rest of your life. And to me, that's the most beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Johnny. Yeah. Thanks brother. I appreciate, I appreciate you by the way, and I appreciate what you're doing and thank you for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure.